0: folks if you have your bibles i'd like for you to turn to john chapter two john chapter two if you're using a pew bible that's page 561 john chapter two we're going to look at the last half of chapter two we looked at the first half last week of the wedding of cana the wedding at cana so today we're going to look at john's account of the cleansing of the temple And and as I was studying this passage this week, I was kind of amazed, you know, I've I've gone through this passage numerous times, but I was kind of amazed at the reality of some of the things, and it's going to come out of the message, about why Jesus did this. Now, John's gospel lists the cleansing at the beginning of his ministry. When you read the other three gospels, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they list it at the end of the, their gospels is this the same event i think it's actually two events this is one event that happened at the beginning when you look at the other gospels it's a little bit different account there's some other things that are happening there it's very evident that this is another event that's listed in those gospels john is wanting us to recognize that this is something jesus did at the beginning of his ministry because he's wanting to communicate something to you and i he wants us to grab a hold of the truth about Jesus and about ourselves. And that's why we're doing this series. We're doing this series to meet Jesus. And that's because we often assume we know everything there is to know about Jesus. We've heard all the Sunday school stories. We've heard lots of messages. But I think when you get a little bit deeper into the passage, you realize that there's a lot that we don't know about him. And actually, when you get to know him, he exposes where we're at. And when he exposes where we're at, something's wrong. And it's not with him. What do you mean, George? Well, for instance, okay, so if you go through the Old Testament, every time somebody came in contact with God, their first reaction is horror. And the reason why they have horror is because they recognize who they are and what's wrong with them. See, when you come in contact with Jesus, you immediately begin to realize who you are and what's wrong with you. Like, for instance, I think of in in, in one of the other gospels, remember when Jesus was teaching on the seashore, and he says to Peter, set out your boat. He wanted to teach from the boat, and he said, you know, cast your nets over. Oh, master, we've been working all day when we've caught nothing, but because you said it, I'll do it. And so they caught the biggest catch ever. As soon as Peter brings it in. He looks over at Jesus. Now, Jesus, that's all he said was, cast your net. Get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Why? When you understand who Jesus is, he exposes that something's wrong. And that's exactly what's going on here. John is purposely showing us this account of the cleansing of the temple to show you why Jesus showed up and because something was wrong. Something was wrong with their, quote, the God's people, Israel, and their devotion to God. And that's what we're gonna see here today. So let's look at this passage together. It's gonna be up on the screen for you. We're gonna look at verses 13 through 25. Now, look at what what John writes in verse 13. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand And Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and money changers doing business. When he he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then the disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? And Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man for he knew what was in man. All right, so let's take a look at this. We're going to look at a couple of things here. We're going to break it down into two two basic sections here. We're going to look, first of all, at beneath the surface, beneath the surface of their religious exercise. And we can maybe make some comments on our own here. And then we're going to look at the last part, which is them questioning Jesus. And I've labeled this section, who do you think you are? Okay, who do you think you are? So let's talk about beneath the surface. All right, so here's what happens. So first of all, I want you to understand, let's set it up in our mind. It says that Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the Passover. Now, the Passover was the commemoration of what? When they were brought out of Egypt, out of slavery... You know, they had the Passover, the Passover of the death angel that would go and strike the firstborn of Egypt, except for those who had marked their houses with blood, eaten the Passover lamb. And then the very next day, they went and left Egypt on their journey for the promised land. And so from that point on, God told them that they were to commemorate Passover every year. So it's a big festival, a big time of celebration A big thing for the Jews. So Jesus goes up to Jerusalem where most would go up for that celebration. Now you say go up. He's up in Galilee. How do you go up? I look at the map. It's down. It's not up. They didn't look at things the way we do as far as up or down as far as maps. They did it based on typography. So when you would go up to Mount Zion, you would travel up a mountain. That's why it says go up. Okay? So he went up to the Passover. So here's what he does. He goes to the temple. Now listen, folks, we know he goes to the temple every year. So he's not seeing anything new. This time he decides to do something. So let me just stop. Get it in your mind. What they were doing in the temple, they were always doing in the temple. So he decides to act right now for a reason. We'll see why that reason is. So when he goes into the temple in the court of the Gentiles. Now, there were several courts surrounding the most holy place. There would be the court of the Gentiles where you and I, because we're Gentiles, we would be allowed to go there. We could go no further. To go further, they had a sign that said you would be killed and they would kill you. Foreigners could only be allowed in the court of the Gentiles. The next court was the court of men. Excuse me, the court of women. All right, so that's as far as a woman could go. The next court beyond that was the court of men. So men were the only ones. No woman could go there. And then there was the court of the priests and, of course, the most holy place. And that's the way it was. So the court of the Gentiles was supposed to be a place where foreigners could come and worship, as well as some other things that were being done there. Now, here's what happened. Over the years, they decided to use the space to make it convenient for people. What do you mean? Well, most people, when they traveled, because of the diaspora, because of the exiles, most Jews were spread out over the world, so they would come and make a pilgrimage back to the temple. So when they came, you wouldn't carry a lamb with you from Greece. You'd buy a lamb, where? In Jerusalem. So where do you go? Well, the scripture says the law said that the lamb had to be inspected before it could be sacrificed so what's your best chance of getting a lamb that was going to be acceptable right there at the temple you want to make a a sacrifice an oxen you do that if you're poor you buy your doves where right there it's convenient hey i'm coming from rome got latin money can't use latin money in the temple i've got to use temple money Where do I do the exchange? Right in the court of the Gentiles. And you would bring your money and you would exchange it. Like you ever been to the airport and you've gone on like to Mexico or something and you had to exchange money? Okay, that's what they had there. Only they would charge exorbitant fees for changing the money. So all this is taking place there. So here's what happens. Jesus comes along and he decides enough. So here's the points I want you to see. Here's the first one. Convenience and good intentions became an excuse for personal profit. Convenience and good intentions became an excuse for personal profit. Now let me just stop. Having animals available for pilgrims coming from a long distance to buy, that's a good idea, isn't it? Exchanging money into a one currency to be used in the temple. That's a good idea, right? It started out with a good idea. It started out with good intentions. Now here's what happened. As with all things, somebody realized we can make some money here. And the priests of the temple institutionalized it, and they got their cut. It was a known fact. So what started out good ended up becoming corrupt. Still happens to this day. Still happens in Christian ministries, and I hate to say it, even in churches. What turns out to be a convenience and a help can sometimes become a source of income. And this is really irritating to Jesus. Now here's the second thing I want you to see. God sees through our spiritual systems and demands a proper focus. Notice with me at verse 15 and 16. Notice what happens. And when he had made a whip, of course, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured the changers money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. God sees right through it. Jesus saw right through it. It wasn't convenience. It wasn't help. It was about money. It wasn't about worship. And that place was supposed to be a place of worship for who? The rest of the nations. For you and I. So that they could come and worship God. But they had used it for what? Their own personal profit. God sees right through it. He sees right through everything all of the, quote, good intentions. In fact, you're going to see that point being made several times in this passage about how God sees right through it. And so there's something wrong here. So beneath the surface, he's seeing a really big, major issue. Now, here's what happens. These folks recognize That something special's happening. And they know what's happening. And so they react. And how they react is, who do you think you are? By upsetting the apple cart. So we're going to look here the rest of our time. We're going to see six things that come out of this that I want you to see. That Jesus is bringing forth. And you're going to see who he really is. And what it exposes about even ourselves. Here it is. Here's the first one. Look with me at verse 17. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. They're quoting Psalm 69 verse 9. Okay, They're quoting Psalm 69 verse 9. Here's what's going on. Those who are seeking the promised one understand what is happening. Those who are seeking the promised one understand what is happening so here's his disciples remember they've already recognized that he's the messiah they've already recognized that he's the son of god they've already recognized there's something special about jesus so when jesus does this here's what they're doing they realize oh no this is in fulfillment of god's word this is who he is And so they understand. So for instance, I'm telling you folks, if you know Jesus and you're in his word, you're not shaken by the stuff that happens around you in this world, that happens all overseas and so forth. You're not shaken by any of that stuff because you look at it and you realize, okay, I see where it's heading. I understand where things are moving to, and we do understand where they're moving to, right? They're understanding, ultimately, somewhere down the road, could be next year, could be a hundred years from now, but everything's moving to what? Jesus coming back, right? Those who seek him understand what's happening, okay? So they're recognizing what's going on here. Here's the second thing I want you to see. The problem is, is that some wanted a better situation without changing. What do you mean, George? Well, look with me at verse 18. Here's what they do. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? What do you you mean they want a better situation without changing? Well, here's what's going on. What Jesus did was so remarkable, it never happened before. And the reason why it never happened is because the Old Testament told them that only one person was supposed to do what Jesus did. It's from Malachi chapter 3. Notice with me. It'll be up on the screen with you. Chapter 3. Listen to what the prophet wrote. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare a way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? He is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. And they may offer the Lord an offering in righteousness. He's going to show up, the prophet says, the messenger, the special one, is going to show up, and he's going to clean house, so to speak, in the temple and cleanse the house of Levi. Guess what Jesus did? Showed up, what did he do? Get rid of this money scrubbing stuff. This is a place of worship. Now they understood that. Why do you think they asked? Because here to notice something, when you go through the Gospel of John, the Jews are always asking for what? A sign, a sign to what? Prove who Jesus is. They know that what he's doing is something the Messiah would do. Now here's the thing. they listen to me, they wanted a better situation but without changing what do you mean a better situation well during jesus's day they were wanting the messiah to show up but here's why they wanted the messiah to show up throw the romans out get rid of the oppression of rome but that's all they wanted Here, the Messiah and this prophet is saying, the prophet is saying he's going to show up and he's going to clean house in the temple and purify their worship. But the problem is, that's not what they want him to do. They want him to clean up their world, but don't change them. Do you see what I'm saying? See, they they wanted him to show up, but they didn't want to change. You know, it's the same thing I see happening today in North America. I'm just being honest with you in the church. Okay, so I probably would say not a month goes by, if you listen to the Christian radio or if you get a Christian publication or something, you will hear someone say that we need to pray for revival in America. You hear that? Now, let me just say that that is a wonderful prayer request. But I don't think people know what they're talking about when they pray for that. (gasps) What do you mean? Only God can change America. Yeah, only God can change America. But do you realize what you're praying when you're praying for a revival? See, when we pray for that, we're wanting all the mess that's outside of us to clean up. But do you realize in revival, it doesn't start outside. It starts with you. Nobody wants, in fact, I'm not the problem. Why do I need to change? You need to change. Then he cleans up the outside. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's, but that's not what we're praying for, George. I think everything's okay in a church. I think everything's okay. I mean, I'm, Yeah, I've got some problems, but I, I'm living with them. You know what? God isn't living with them. And yeah, I pray for revival, but revival means... He wants to change you. See, we're in the same situation as these Jews. We want the Messiah to show up, throw out the Romans. But don't you dare touch our temple worship. See, this is the number one reason why they wanted Jesus dead. It's because he was coming to turn things around back to God the way it should be. Do you see what I'm saying? This is is who he is. This is what he's doing. Here's the third thing I want you to see. While they understood what he was doing, they questioned his authority. Because he made him uncomfortable. But actually, can I tell you? It's because they didn't want to know him. In fact, John told us that. Where? John chapter 1. If you want to, just flip back to John chapter 1, verse 11. It'll be up on your screen. Look at what it says. It was, he, in that prologue section where he's kind of introducing the concept of Jesus to us as the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But look at verse 11. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. See, this is the reality. The reality is, is they understood what he was doing. You understand, when Jesus was cleaning the temple, they knew what was going on. But it was hidden too close to home. So they're asking that the way we would say a question, who do you think you are? Isn't that the way it is? Let's be honest. You know, I, I think about myself. Uh, you know, we all come in contact with people every day, right? I mean, we live interacting with people every day. Now, some of those people pluck your nerves, right? You have people pluck your nerves, or do you live in a perfect world where everyone treats you just right? Now, people pluck our nerves, right? And, and you pray for them. Oh God, take care of them. Whatever way you mean by that. But guess what? He takes care of you. That's where the problem is. And so then we're like, well, wait a minute now, Lord. What are you doing? Who do you think I was wanting you to change them? but you're changing me. I don't know if I like that. And we don't, do we? This is what's going on here. This is what's going on here. What is happening here? When you look at verses 19 to 22, they just don't see it. Look at what it says. Verse 19. Back over to chapter 22. Excuse me, chapter 2. Verse 19. Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. Will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when, his discip- when he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Here's what's going on. They were blinded to what Jesus was saying and doing. You know what should have been their response? Because first of all, they're looking for him, right? They're they're like, oh, come Messiah. Well, guess what? He shows up and he does exactly what the prophet in the Old Testament said he would do. He cleans the temple... And they're like, who do you think you are? They should have said, he's here. But they're blind to it. They can't see it. So even when he says, destroy this temple, they're thinking the temple that they were in. They were in Herod's temple. Let me explain to you. So there was a temple that Solomon built. That's the first temple. That was destroyed By the Babylonians, then they had a 70-year captivity. When they came back, they laid the foundation and built Zerubbabel's temple. That's the second temple. Now, Zerubbabel's temple pretty much functioned for several hundred years. And then Herod, you know, the Tetrarch, Herod comes along and what? He renovates it. He renovates it into something spectacular and beautiful according to what he thought and that's the temple they're in. It's the renovation. Now, it took 46 years for the renovation to take place. So they're like, we are going to destroy this place? It took 46 years to get this. What's going on? They didn't understand what he was saying. Because Jesus, what he was talking about was the temple of his body. And they couldn't see it. In fact, it isn't just them that couldn't see it. It was the disciples. It wasn't until what? Jesus rose from the dead that they even realized what he was saying. They were blind. What blinds them? Can I tell you what blinds them? It's the same stuff that blinds us our personal agendas, our goals, our ambitions, what we want. It blinds us to God working in our lives. because what I want is more important than anything isn't it at least that's what we think but then when God shows up we can't see him because like in this situation he does the exact opposite of what we think he should be doing and that's how God acts now, I'm always blown blown away by John the Baptist. Okay, we talked about John the Baptist. I've mentioned this to you again. I've got to mention it to you one more time. Remember, John the Baptist, we're going to hear that he's thrown in prison by Herod, a different Herod, and he's thrown in prison, and he's facing death, and he's, he's sitting there. Of course, you're in a dungeon, and you were just the one foretelling the Messiah coming, and you want the Messiah to come, and and, and, and so he sends disciples and says to Jesus, are you the one? And Jesus said, go and tell, tell, tell John what you see. And uh, the, bl- the, the blind see, the lame walk, you know, people are being set free, blah, blah, blah. And uh, then he says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. That's an odd thing to say. Jesus, when he's telling him that, is quoting three different passages from Isaiah. Sorry, I just got a scratch. That was in my Kermansville Christian mug. Okay. Okay. Never mind. Ooh, wrong passage to do that with, right? Okay. Just kidding. When you look at those three passages, you realize that Jesus left something off in quoting them. He left off that he would set the prisoners free. What's he doing? He's telling John, John, you're going to die there then he says blessed is he who is not offended because of me what's the whole point that god doesn't act the way that we want him to act and blessed is the one who's not offended because of that see this is what's going on here they were blinded to what they're saying but here's the thing When you get to the rest of the part there where it just kind of gives you a, a basic outline of what's going on at the Passover, look with me at verse 23. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, and when they saw the signs which he did, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And he had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Here's the final thing I want you to see about Jesus. Sadly, many respond to Jesus because of what he can do for them. But notice what it says. He knows that. But he doesn't commit himself to them. Why? Because he knows their hearts. Look, I'm old enough now. A lot of you have been stomping around the earth long, for a long time and you've interacted with people. I'm sure you've come across somebody that just, when you meet them, like, oh yeah, they are your friend. They will do anything for you. And uh, oh, we're, we're supporting you until the rubber meets the road. And where are they? Where are they? And you thought, and you were like devastated. I thought they would be there. Well, the reason why we're devastated is because we don't know who they really are, right? Now, we find out later. But I'm going to be honest with you. That kind of thing didn't happen with Jesus. When he's betrayed or he's denied or he's rejected, he already knew it. So when he's got all these people who are excited, "Oh Jesus, wow!" You're going to see it later when he's feeding the 5,000 people that are showing up. Yes! But then when he starts saying things like "eat my flesh, drink my blood," they're like, "Whoa, we don't want anything to do with that. We're out of here." And the text will tell you that they only showed up because they were being fed. But the fact is, Jesus knows us. which goes back really to the heart of this whole passage. Here he shows up in the place of worship where people are supposed to be worshiping God. And he's the son of God. And he knows exactly what's going on. Because he knows men's hearts. That's the reality. What does that mean to you and I? Look here, folks. Jesus knows us. He knows your heart. He knows what motivates you. He knows where you're truly at. See, because you can, here's the thing, anybody can say, I love Jesus. Well, didn't he say in Matthew, in that day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not know you? Did we not cast out demons and do these great things in your name? And Jesus says in the passage of Matthew, and he will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. So listen, folks, so where are you at? Where am I at? Jesus knows where we're at. The question is, do you know where you're at? Something to think about.